Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of Deep Thoughts the Dixons. I'm here tonight with my co-host, Brian Michael Dixon. Welcome tonight. to the show, Brian. Thank you. We are <laughs> recording under the moonlight tonight because we're giving you guys some topics that I'm super excited about. Well, let's give people a little backstory, okay? Okay, guys, most importantly, Nina and I spent four trips to Home Depot yesterday. <laughs> Let's no, get I, was, I was literally taking it there. It is <laughs> Sunday evening. This episode will re- release Tuesday morning, so you guys will hear this in two days. However, um, our weekend was filled with holiday decor. And it was pretty I had, good. I had a lot of fun at Home Depot. Listen, we literally That's had how the to fancy go to people Home say Depot it. three times. I went to Home Goods the same day. We went to the dollar store. Like I, this weekend was just insane. And my patience was at an all-time high, wasn't it? Because I'm a pretty patient person. But yeah. when it comes to hanging Halloween or Halloween um, Christmas decorations, it's something I was just never really a fan of. I when I was when I was younger, this is really what I thought. We used to spend like several days hanging holiday decorations, and my logical mind was like you know, we're just going to take these down in a couple weeks. You know, what's the point of putting these up? But I understand it like helps people get in the Christmas mood and, and uh, you know, gets people ready for the holidays and all. So we did, that's what we did yesterday. We spent the afternoon and evening going and identifying the things that we wanted to hang up in the house, right? Yeah, it was a lot. But now the house looks so good. It's like a little sanctuary. Today we did nothing pretty much. We had people working at our house. We're getting some of our... Um, bathrooms and stuff fixed here. Well, I did some things. I was touching up on some of the things because I found do? a really cool documentary series called Magical oh, Egypt. Okay. Are you going to tell people how you fell asleep an hour in on the couch with your mouth wide open? I did. And I was catching flies like a boss. But I sometimes when those, you know, that fleeting tiredness hits you, you just have to take a quick snooze. For those wake of you up who me on Instagram, I posted a story today, <laughs> um, a live story actually of him sleeping. Anyways, so Brian, someone that you know sent you this Egypt video. Oh, yeah. I had a buddy that sent me this docuseries that came out, I guess, a couple years back. And it's called Magical Egypt. And basically, it is about these Egyptologists and archaeologists that have been studying that area of the world for years and years. And they took it to like kind of the next level interpreting what the, um, so funny. you're being ridiculous knock it <laughs> off. and they uh, basically been studying ancient egypt and then they created all these really interesting interpretations breaking down these giant structures and how these um facilities that were developed in ancient Egypt can break down like mathematically and with all this sacred science and through alchemy and all these really interesting things. And I'd never seen this point of view on ancient Egypt. And so we started watching some of the series today and it was really, really fascinating. Like to the point where they were breaking things down where they would see a statue and it would be the statue of what would look like a um, pharaoh and then beneath the pharaoh would have some type of animal representation or personification of a god that they worshipped and then when they extracted out the design of what that was and put it next to something inside of the human body it was like identically shaped so for example one of these things that they were showing was it was a pharaoh with some other type of animal that came kind of down from the pharaoh's chin and when they extracted that out from the egyptian statue it showed 
identically a human brainstem, like the exact same shape of the brainstem inside of the head. And they had already created this through this ancient Egyptian artwork, through these uh, statues. It was really remarkable. But they were doing these types of things. They were showing that against things that were inside the human body and how the ancient Egyptians architected these different statues and things that actually were the same shapes, designs as what we have inside of us. And I had never seen somebody actually take that ancient art and relate it in that way. I've been studying this stuff for years and years, and it was really fascinating. And another thing they learned is this temple of Karnak. Nina and I were actually here in 2017 when we visited Egypt. It's this beautiful, massive temple. And they showed how the Fibonacci sequence... and if. Uh, People aren't familiar with what the Fibonacci sequence is, or sometimes it's called the Fibonacci series. This is an ancient mathematical sequence of numbers that is found in all nature and basically all different things. Everything from how a flower begins to grow organically to zoom out all the way to like looking at a galaxy, the mathematics of this design are they, they create this spiral when you break down the mathematics into geometry and it's all the same even within the human body there's the fibonacci series but what the fibonacci series is is that every number that's added creates the next uh, every two numbers that are added creates the next number so the first two numbers would be the beginning point and it would be like zero and then one zero plus one is one one plus one is two one plus two is three Two plus three is five. Like it would go on and on. And it just organically grows and evolves into the state of abundance through mathematics and geometry. And what they learned was this temple of Karnak and some of these other places. Actually, when you zoomed out and you were looking at it from a bird's eye view, if you laid the Fibonacci series on top of it, it had the exact same growth patterns as all these other things. And so we're just a couple episodes into this, but it's super fascinating. And so we're going to get a little bit more into Egypt and some of these things throughout the episode today. And so this little video series of ours all afternoon um, kind of inspired us to talk about conspiracy theories. Yes. I'm a huge conspiracy theorist. And so although we are huge on personal development and mindset and positivity and all those things, today we're just going to get to speak from like what we think could happen or think you know or believe has happened um it's going to be a fun episode and a much more lighthearted episode and hey maybe there's people out there who are going to agree with things or not agree with things that's okay we welcome all of your um thoughts maybe there's another conspiracy theory or some or a different theory of something that we're going to be talking about that you guys want to share with us so please feel free to share with us um email us instagram whatever um means is necessary but we're going to get into it today where do you want to start oh there's so much there's some Okay, let's throughout, just, let's throughout do the, the years, let's do the obvious one. What's that? Aliens. Oh, I don't think that's really a conspiracy theory anymore, at least to me, but I'll go. I, and, don't, I don't either. So I'll give a background on that. So I've been, I got really fascinated in extraterrestrial life, like the opportunity of extraterrestrial life and the potential for it when I was younger, probably in like sixth grade or something. I first learned, I've watched some show and I think I started reading books on it. And then all throughout the years, I started paying much more attention to it and trying to educate myself as much as possible. So I always thought the concept of life outside of our um, you know, planet, better yet, solar system was always there and really fascinating to me. And the more I studied it throughout the years, I've, and I reached a point pretty quickly on where I was like, okay, there's 100% life you know, outside of us here on this planet. And then you start looking into 
the what I find the more interesting things, which is like what are the energy and propulsion systems that are allowing life to travel interstellarly between the stars? And that's when you start to learn about just magnificent technology that I think we do have access to, but I think it's been hidden or suppressed in order for control mechanisms that would completely, like if the energy systems were actually released to the public that I think are used to be able to travel interstellarly from like, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years. I've been researching this maybe 15 to 18 years. And I think if we had that. I'm surprised you don't have your own show on the Discovery Channel. I should. I'm like, I want to be that dude on Ancient Aliens with the hair that goes everywhere. George Costopoulos. Good <laughs> uh, question. Sure. You're talking about technology and aliens. We were at Home Depot several times, like I mentioned, this past weekend. What did you tell me about the LED Christmas lights that I was purchasing? Oh, yeah. Supposedly, LED lights are actually something that was extracted from some type of uh, extraterrestrial technology. Who says that, though? There's, it's, I've read it in a lot of different books. Uh, somebody who talks about it a lot, and a guy that I follow, his name is Dr. Stephen Greer. If you've never heard of him, go check him out. He's got two awesome Netflix documentaries, one of them which was the highest crowdfunded documentary in history called Sirius, S-I-R-I-U-S. And it's uh, a great thing about extraterrestrials. Another one he came out with recently called Unacknowledged. And this guy was actually a medical doctor by trade. And somehow throughout his years, he started getting involved in circles where he was meeting with very high-ranking people in the military and CIA and in the government. The people were actually responsible for these black ops projects. And he was also connected to some very influential people in the Rockefeller family and some of these other large global elite families. And through that process, he began to learn some very common themes of some different types of cover-ups around technology and extraterrestrial information that um, our government and, and secret agencies were actually keeping from the public for various reasons. And so he came out with a lot of books and information, and he has a lot of talks that he gives on the topic. But his name is Dr. Stephen Greer, G-R-E-E-R. -E -E He's a really, really fascinating guy, but I recommend checking him out. But he, and along with a lot of other people, have claimed that LED lights is actually a technology that came, that was extracted from extraterrestrial crafts. Um, I can't validate that, but I have read that in many places. What do you think about that, Nina? Good job. You caught me not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I, I do believe it. I, you know what? When it comes to technology and it comes to ideas or new inventions and my mom has always um, said to us, even as kids, that we, when we think of something or we create something, it doesn't mean that only Albert Einstein was able to create it. It doesn't mean, who's, who's the guy who did the light bulb? Well, Nikola Tesla and Thomas okay. Edison. It doesn't mean that just that person was able to create an invention. She's always kind of posed this, um, and it comes from her studies that she had as a kid, which were um, Ayurvedic studies. And she studied one of the oldest languages in the, in the world, which is Sanskrit. And so there's a bunch of texts in Sanskrit that kind of teach you And for life. people that aren't familiar with Sanskrit, would you describe Sanskrit as like one of the oldest recorded languages and energetic principles? Or how would you define that? Yeah, yeah. So they have like... It's crazy. It's, it's so in-depth. I can't even wrap my mind around it. And obviously she talked a lot about it as we were growing up. But it has these basic, basic, simple principles for us humans on how to live a very sustain, self-sustaining life. And it's mental. It's, it's mind, body, and spirit. It's, it's very um, 
of the world as well, like of the materialistic world. It's a very holistic viewpoint. And it's, it, there's even basic things on like how to build a home or like how you can keep your home warm without uh, with clay. There's, there's very simple basic things in there that for whatever reason, our modern society ignores or has not adopted. Long story short, she raised me to, to believe that there, when people invent things, or like there's LED technology and all this stuff, it doesn't mean that that one person is intelligent or that person is so smart. Smarts, intelligence, ideas, inventions, these don't just come from the person themselves. It comes from an infinite consciousness that is available to every single one of us. The difference is, and why Albert Einstein or Edison or whoever created with the LED lights, is that are we aware enough to tap into that awareness and into that infinite knowledge. So when you you come up with these IQ scores and who has a higher IQ and SATs and LSATs and these standardized testings, they're a waste of time, actually. And let me tell you something. I never did good in the LSATs. I never did good in the SATs either. And my mom never cared. Not one bit. She always said, you can do whatever you want. Put your mind to it. If you really want it, you'll do it. So it's always about, are, are you, do you want to do it? Do you want to put forth the effort to like tap into it and just free-flowing energy to get into that creative flow? Something that is not rewarded in our society that people are forgetting is that all these great invent- inventors of this technology, whether it came from consciousness to the aliens or whatever it may be, I don't care. That, those people were very creative people. And they got into creative flows. Our society today does not allow that creativity or does not reward that creativity. Even in school, we are not allowed to sit there with math and science and be creative. We are told and fed what to believe about math and science. But it's those people who step away from the norm and kind of go with the flow of this infinite knowledge that's out there for all of us in order to pull from that. And so that's what I think about it. Now, as far as aliens go, I do believe it is, let me say this, it is so naive and vain to think that us humans are the only species out there. Think about it from this perspective. People were like, well, we've never actually seen them or we've never actually done this. First, I don't believe that. But second off, think about how many millions and millions of just sightings there's been throughout history. I mean, these things have been written as far as ancient times go on, on caves. They were drawing spaceships of people that are clearly you know, clearly spaceships, right? If even one of those millions or hundreds of millions, however many sightings there's been throughout history, if even one of those is accurate, that that's proof of that. Mm-hmm. But it goes far beyond that. Like if it's very, to me, it's very easy to get over the hurdle. I think most people these days in our day and age believe that intelligent life from other planets exists. I don't even try to go that far though, trying to prove it and trying to say that there's been sightings or that the government's covered it up and blah, blah, blah. I don't even go that far. I just simply say that as a simple human being, you know, he's sitting here having this conversation with you and anybody else listening, think to yourself, like you really think that we as humans are that powerful, that we're the only ones here. You honestly think that between plants and soil and um, other animals and other species that we're really the only intelligent species in this universe? Forget the planet. Forget Earth. There's more. There's beyond. Just today, you and I were watching a show called, after the Egypt stuff, called Explained on Netflix. And it was about the aliens. Just in the past five years, they have found 35 more planets outside our solar system. When you and I were growing up, how many planets were there? Yeah. Like, what, seven or nine? I don't even remember. So... 
you can't no 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 not 35 3500 oh my bad you can't be that naive to think that that's all there is and there's nothing smarter than us i also believe and here's um a counter argument to what you just said not what you said but what people say about sightings and stuff have you ever thought that maybe humans only have the physical capabilities to be able to see up to a certain point nothing beyond that do you honestly think that you and i are sitting here can't there be other life forms in this room right now in this space hovering that i can't see i think there's the potential that there could be other you know life forms or whatever you want to call them in this room that potentially could see us and other life forms that are operating at a different frequency exactly. that we, we can't see each other exactly. at all light energy air oxygen molecules all these things you you think you can see light but actually it's captured in the light bulb look at the technology of light things that are of this world and of this universe we have over time and over centuries and whatnot manipulated them to get them to stay constant but nothing is ever constant in the universe and therefore i truly think it's naive to believe that you know if you didn't see a spaceship or we don't know and get this why you know how many years have our great-grandparents grandparents or parents you know didn't believe in aliens because our governments covered it up now in our generation in 2019 even the American government is coming out and saying that aliens were real. You know, we covered it up. Doesn't that give you enough proof that it was there? They were there? Like, do you honestly have to sit back and wait for the government or other people to solidify and to give accuracy to something to believe in it? I honestly believe things before I see them because I go with how I feel, you know, but I think a lot of this has to do with the media, and I'm not going to get too much into that, but it's how we are fed information. So let's get past that part of things that, okay, we both obviously believe that there is this life that exists beyond us. And let's move into some of the hard data that we've seen throughout the years with all these different types of topics. Um, I think one of the more noteworthy people that's been around for a long time speaking on this, and his name is Bob Lazar, and he was an engineer that got brought into the government uh, when he was younger to a area called S4, which was outside of Area 51 in New Mexico. And, you know, I've read on this guy deeply about the books he's put out. I've, I've watched a lot of documentaries with him and he gets referenced a lot by other people, but he's definitely one of the leaders of people that, you know, became a quote unquote whistleblower on this topic. And he has been ridiculed his whole life because of it. His family's been put in danger because of it. But uh, a lot of the stuff that he came out is just remarkable. The data that he's shown, he claims that early on in his career, like they put him under all sorts of airtight confidentiality agreements and NDAs and he could never talk about what he was doing. Could He didn't tell his wife for years and years and years or his family. But like one of the very early days on his job, they brought him into a warehouse. And according to what he says, there's legitimately a huge series of about five different crafts that are broken down in several like it's like a giant warehouse but the warehouses had these walls that would retract up and down inside of them and this is going back in probably like the 40s or 50s something like that and the uh the crafts are just sitting there hovering you know they're legitimately like defying the laws of gravity and physics and they're hovering there and he was brought in and they're saying 
this is from this is not from our planet figure out how to reverse engineer this technology and they learned a ton by going in there and seeing how this worked and seeing how see what actually when it's, what i've learned from a technology perspective when we see these crafts it's not actually called anti-gravity as we actually think about it because it looks like it's repelling gravity it's more around creating an energetic field that cancels the mass around the vehicle and when the mass becomes canceled it allows the vehicle to basically levitate and move around and appear like it's defying the laws of physics in that sense again technology that we humans don't know how to replicate correct well i think we do i think we absolutely do but i think i think it's been suppressed before uh you know national security threats things things of that nature yeah but um you mean there's just so much information out there now and there's a lot of a lot of disinformation too i think throughout the years as different things got leaked from some of these uh black ops programs that I've learned as well and read that the, that the government actually put together groups of people to spread what are called disinformation campaigns. So they would take a sliver of the truth and then 90%, the other 90% of the campaign and the media they wanted to put out was basically to guide people's minds in a completely different direction to make them believe one thing about the topic. And then it would lead them down a rabbit hole that there was just a dead end because they didn't actually want to do this and, and tell people more of the information. It's called brainwashing. Let's share, um, because I want to do other theories too. Let's share as to why you and I think that these alien, this alien presence, and all of this was number one. There was disinformation around it. We were believed that they don't exist, or if they do, they're like creepy and have three fingers and dissect you. (laughs) Why do you think we were misinformed? I I know that we think the same thing on this. Well, I think like there was a there was an agenda, and now, now all of a sudden, after you know. I don't even know, like 200 years maybe of denying it. Now they're saying it's there. And what's the agenda by now coming out and saying, yes, we covered this up. So there's a lot of different theories on this. Um, One of the theories is if people really understood the level of our involvement with an extraterrestrial species that there'd be like mass chaos like people wouldn't go to their jobs or anything like that and like i don't think that would really be the case i think people would actually be very intrigued by it but that's one theory i'm gonna not i'm not not rebutting you i'm rebutting that if that's their thought process people wouldn't feel that way if we always had contact with them and it was open information it would be natural just like having tigers and bears and dogs and cats living amongst us it would be just like having another race that wasn't human living amongst us. Mm-hmm. So it was their brainwashing of people to make it seem like this is something outside of us or it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Right? So, okay, that one's squashed. Um, so some of the other theories are revolving around technology and industry. And so these are some of the more prevalent ones that I think align and make a lot of logical sense. But so I mentioned before the way in which these crafts are allegedly moving around the universe have propulsion systems and energy systems that are so much more advanced than anything we're playing with here on earth uh, publicly right and when you can implement these types of energy systems from at least my research it has the power to take us off of fossil fuels in the matter like overnight you know like that's it, it could happen so fast once these technologies are actually implemented and it wouldn't take that long theoretically for us to basically move off of fossil fuels to have a very clean sustainable energy future and if you think about you know hundreds of years since we've been using fossil fuels it's literally one of the biggest profitable industries on the planet and if you were to create 
an energy source and infrastructure that allowed you to remove fossil fuels that quickly, think about the infrastructure and control that disappears when that occurs, right? There's, there's a lot of very powerful people that stand to lose out if something like that happens. And I think that's one of the things that makes a lot of sense. Like if you're going to implement something like that, that's a theory that's like, okay, it's very tangible. You can see what the global market is for burning fossil fuels every year. And if there was some type of energy source that got implemented, how much infrastructure and how much power financial, political, and by other means would basically be eradicated over a short period of time. That's a good one. You know what I think though? What's that? I think it's the one where, you know how we have World War One and Two and all these wars we have. Um, I think that it was all pre-planned because I believe there's like one world order behind all of us, like from people. There's like a group of people, a handful of people. And by the way, anyone listening, I, I this is just what I believe. There's a handful of people in all of the world in several different countries that come together and control all of us. I don't think it's just the American government. No, no, it's yeah, it's it. It's a, it goes far beyond the government, in my opinion. The government are more puppets to allow these much higher yeah. powered it, individuals to pull They're like almost the people that take on the, the heat from us. Um, and they're super wealthy and super powerful individuals. And they're also and extremely private. They you, you, you won't read about these people no, in their paper because no. the paper, they get a lot of these people at the top level, they own the media and they only mm-hmm. put out the information that they want you to hear about. And so if, you, if they don't want you to know anything about them, which almost all of them don't, you won't even really know about yeah, these people. they're not in the public eye. And they've been in this position of power for several, several generations. This isn't like some new person. Oh, this has been like happening hundreds of years. By their way up there. Yeah, it's not Jeff Bezos. Anyway, so I believe... Also, uh, there, there's a quick point that you just mentioned. A lot of people around our planet think that Jeff Bezos is like the wealthiest person on earth. Absolutely there's not. There's definitely trillionaires that we don't know not about. Not even close. Yeah. And the people that are the wealthiest, most powerful people on our planet are people that you don't even know what their names are. Yeah, I agree. Because those are the people who who maintain the most control, right? They're the ones who can literally manipulate your food system, the currencies, the banks ro- worldwide, um, the pharmaceuticals, the types of diseases and stuff that are thrown out there. They're, they control all of that with one decision, with one word. Why would they ever want to be on Forbes list and be known to anybody? They won't. Anyway, it's a good point. I believe that these people had an agenda um, passed down for generations that eventually, in order to control the entire globe and to pull people together so that it's easier for them to control the masses, um, it's going to come to a conquer, uh, divide and conquer in the sense of no more d- dividing on our earth, you know, between um, the Americans, the Middle East and all that stuff. It's going to be more of a divide and conquer between us and a different alien race, you know, like something that we don't even know anything about. You know, it wasn't even real. It was like a, a fake story out there for so long. There was so much propaganda around it. So humans are already frazzled and confused, right? Some people believe it, some people don't. Some people fear them, some people welcome them. So it's already confused. Everything's already confused about it in our uh, modern society. And so now in 2019, they want to gear up and start to say, oh, yeah, sorry, we were covering it up for your protection, for national security, because it would have been complete chaos. But they do exist. Guarantee you in less than 10 years, they're going to try to launch some sort of war 
between us and these entities out there. And, and they're going to pose, they're going to start to tell us that they pose a threat, that they're going to come after us. They're smarter. They're more, um, they're um, more technologically advanced. Like all, they're going to pull out all the stops to scare us. Okay. And the, and the reason for that is because when that occurs, it will create a mechanism for all of the nations to appear to come together. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I think we're going to start seeing a much more aggressive implementation of this one world power. It's going to be one currency. It's going to be one type of religion. And by the way, just a little tidbit because you're such a Bitcoin guy. I honestly think that that currency could be Bitcoin. It could be. Sometimes I, don't disagree I think, with that. yeah, I think about that sometimes and I'm like, we don't know who Satoshi Nakamoto is. We don't know who created Bitcoin. He's never come forward. Like One of the this, largest holders of Bitcoin is the U.S. government. Yeah. Is this a group of people who are doing this so that we all revert to that one currency? And there are so many people you, dumping money into crypto right now. Even one more reason, I believe the value is going to go I up. I agree. No, for, for <laughs> but, you but, and but I, but it's I still think, a good thing. But I think long term, that definitely could uh-huh. be a plan. That I still we're think it's of. a good investment for you and I. I'm not saying this. I'm not debating that it's a great thing. I'm just saying Bitcoin could be, in, in theory could be that currency that everybody ends up towards because all the markets around the world will, cra- will crash except for Bitcoin. And so their way of disseminating that and trying to program the public is by putting out this Bitcoin. And just so you you guys might notice, any person of political influence or tech- technological influence or anybody um, in like the billionaire range, every single person has their hands in Bitcoin at the moment. Doesn't that show you this mass programming programming that's already beginning from the top level down Mm -hmm. so that when everything crashes. Even even these mega powers like China came out initially and was like, we're banning Bitcoin and blockchain. Like they initially took that stance and then just recently they completely flipped it and they're like, oh, we know we're going to put a bunch of money into it. We're going to build it out. We're all pro Bitcoin now. Everybody has flipped eventually. If you saw something quote against Bitcoin in the last five to six years or even 10 years and it was like Morgan Stanley's bank president or like Tim Draper, I don't care. Those people are on the bandwagon now and there's a reason for it. Tim Draper's always been about it. He's a- So I do, I do believe that uh, Bitcoin could be that currency when we have a one world order and we're fighting the quote unquote aliens and everything crashes. I also believe it's going to be one religion, although I'm a bit confused and I don't have an answer to this because I've thought about it a lot. What I have heard theories, I've heard that it's going to be Christianity, um, but I've also heard that it's going to be Muslims because Muslims have a way of kind of running in, um, I, I want to say this, I want to say this appropriately. I don't know how to explain it appropriately, but I'm just going to say that I've heard it's either going to be Muslims or Christians. But then I read an article several years ago about how this wave of modern spirituality and this, you know, wave of new age thought. And I would put you and I in that category. We are very um, new age thinkers. But the way they've marketed as new age, but in reality, what we how we think is extremely ancient. Correct. It's not new age at all. I know. But that's what I'm referring to, like the secret, the law of attraction, spirituality, oneness. There's no one religion. We are all together. It's one message. I have read articles on that all of this was starting to be pushed out onto us in like the 2000s and the late 90s on purpose because this is going to be the quote unquote religion. And it will actually, because if you think about it, I still believe it and I'm still going to live my life this way. But if you think about it, 
the way that we think brings people together. It gets rid of the word religion. It gets rid of the differences between all the different religious texts and it kind of brings us together. And that's what the whole world order's ish motive is going to be when they make this fake alien war. So I think the religion is going could be one or it could be the spirituality way that I that I think. Um, currency could be Bitcoin. And by the way, I don't think in reality the aliens will be attacking us. I think that the government has figured out how to manipulate the energy and take those crafts and make them hover in like weird so ways. Let me jump into that for a sec. So sure. they so throughout my research I got really passionate. You right did. There. Good work. <laughs> Look at this. These aliens getting you going, girlfriend. Um so for my research, the military powers have for a long time now figured out how to replicate this technology and they've created something that are called ARVs that are called that are known as alien reproductive vehicles basically and a lot of times these days they're supposedly a when people see sightings they're not actually necessarily extraterrestrial sightings they're just UFOs which means unidentified and you don't unidentified flying object you don't know what it is but it could actually be our own government created vehicles that are whipping around that people are interpreting as UFOs because they haven't seen anything like it when you're going thousands of miles an hour and you turn on a 90 degree angle on a dime right like you can't do that with most of the public things that we have out there but um the governments around the world and the powers that be have had a long track record of creating and staging what are called false flag attempts. And a false flag attempt is basically creating a, you know, a serious, usually it happens, uh, something that ignites a war in a certain area to create utter panic in the public eye globally, and then creating a mechanism for people to point a finger at something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of these things that have happened, and I don't know if I, how to validate these, but some of these things that people have claimed, claimed have happened throughout the years are Pearl Harbor. Um, people have claimed 9-11 is this. Um, Warner Van Braun was actually one of the people that created the rocket ship initially and like built the space program in the U.S., he claimed that there was all these series of false flag attempts that would create different levels of hate and distrust in certain areas of the world. And then it would cause the governments to then go invade these different areas to create control mechanisms in these things to expand their power levels. And he claimed on his deathbed that the final straw was actually going to be a staged attack from what the U.S., what the people around the world interpreted as people from other planets, but it would actually be one of these false flag attacks through these alien reproductive vehicles. And he, he allegedly was very knowledgeable about this subject and all the information that we had and technology we had built. And he literally built the space program in the U S and he claims that like when this would happen, it was all going to be fake. It was all going to be a false flag, but after it happened, it was going to create this one world governing mechanism. Like you just mentioned, right? And um, something else to think about, too, is that there are trillions of U.S. dollar taxpayer money that has just disappeared with no explanation as to where it's gone. And a lot of people don't realize, but there is a there are specialized programs in the military that a lot that are called USAPs, which stands which stand for unidentified special access projects. And these are mechanisms that are set up that allow different agencies to extract taxpayer dollars and not have to account for where the money's going into what are called black ops budgets 
And when they extract the funding, they can go spend it on things and then they don't have to create any transparency mechanism or disclose where the money went to. And the day or two before 9-11 actually happened, Donald Rumsfeld was being interviewed in congressional hearings and they were asking him, there is several, it was like 2.1 trillion or 3.1 trillion, trillion with a T dollars that were gone with no explanation as to where that happened. And he had no answer as to what happened to the funding. And then like a day later, the uh, Twin Towers crash has actually happened. And that just completely consumed everything in the media for months that turned into years that turned into wars. And nobody ever talked about that again. It like just disappeared. And now those numbers are supposedly up in like the five to six trillion dollars. And there's some theories that are out there that some of these USAP projects are extracting funds that are being invested in space-based militarization and space-based technology as uh, we create more advanced technologies basically in that sphere, which is kind of interesting. I can't personally validate that, but I mean, I've read a lot about it throughout the years. Some of the way that the the arguments are positioned makes sense, but it's something to think about, you know? Mm. Let's move on to another theory. What do you want to do next? I don't know why I was just sitting here, but I thought of Epstein for some reason. Oh, Epstein? Yeah, which is so like like, out of place. Well, they actually just had information that came out on Epstein the other day. Correct. This is is more current. This is more of a current event, yeah. uh, Hopefully, I end up in... You know, textbooks and stuff about calling <laughs> this because I know they're not going to figure this out till a gazillion years later. I 1000% do not believe that he commits suicide. There's no way. Um, he, there's actually information that just came out, I think last week, late last week, that the people that were going after the guards that were on duty. You that mean were the prosecutors? Yeah, the prosecutors that were going after the guards that were on duty whenever he allegedly hung himself. Mm-hmm. They were trying to give, agree to a plea deal with these guards, trying to force the guards to say, we'll give you a plea deal if you agree that you falsified your journal entries claiming that you went and looked at him every 30 minutes because that's what their protocol was was to go look at him every 30 minutes and the prosecutors were trying to say we want you to say that you falsified those entries but and by doing that they're basically agreeing to say we didn't go check on him every 30 minutes we were gone for an hour or two hours and that's when he hung himself and then we came back and found him and the uh, every one of the guards said no we're not we're not agreeing to that that, that's completely untrue it's because they need a scapegoat In order to push the public's opinion onto them, as opposed to really investigating further into where these orders came from, and which was obviously from up above somewhere, right? Everything flows top to bottom, in my opinion. Follow. Keep going as high as you possibly can. Um, I don't know who did it. I really don't know whose idea this was. Sometimes I, I was reading a lot about this case and a lot about the allegations and the accusations that Epstein had on him. I'm not saying that he didn't do the things he did. I have no idea, nor did I focus on that. I was more focused on why he he died. Like, why did they try to kill him? Because that's what I believe. And I don't think that it's just one person who ordered this. I think it's several very wealthy, connected, powerful people who came together and said... I think that stood to... to be in a lot of trouble and exactly. get exposed if he were that to come and testify got, with yeah, anything. If he got on that stand and he spoke or if his lawyers prodded, if his investigate, because obviously he had money. He has money to get all the private investigators, all these trial experts. He has the money to push this as long as and get the really the real truth out. Uh, and I'm talking about Epstein. 
um, that their names would come up and that would ruin their families, their lives, their businesses. They would end up in jail. So I think a lot of people were on the hook of getting in trouble with him and getting wrapped up in all of this. And so I don't think it was one of them. I think it was a lot of them that came together and used their um, political and financial influence and power to have this done as like some sort of inside job. Sure. Um, and I do think it'll come out at some point, maybe not in our lifetime, but at some point it will. So I don't, um, I don't really believe. And I also think that when people are accused of things, it's like blown out of proportion. You know, it's like they, they throw things at you that'll stick basically. Sure. So I don't believe all the hype either. Another theory. Um, let's see. Let's, let's see. talk about Egypt. There's no, what, what's the theory there? Let's talk about the, cause I have some interesting stories we can talk about here. That's, uh, let's talk about the theory of like their civilization in terms of like them being very advanced and also like how they went about building things there. Go for it. Okay, cool. So I've been studying ancient Egypt my whole life and I've been so fascinated by it. And to first provide some context, I've had this very odd connection to Egypt. I may have even talked about this on past episodes, but since I was a little kid, I would always have these crazy vivid dreams of ancient Egypt, like back in Pharaoh times and, uh, you know, just very strange recollections. And I had no reason as to why I would have those, especially from a very young age. And something funny that happened when I was growing up is my parents would be like, Hey guys, you know, we're going to, we're going to pick a place and we're going to go on a trip this year. Where do you want to go on vacation? And I would tell my parents, I'd be like, let's go to Egypt. And they would start laughing and be like, uh, we were thinking Florida. But uh, I've like always had this immense fascination, even when I was a young kid. Like I would go in like kindergarten, first grade in art class and I would come home and I would have books that I would paint and draw and put together. And it was all about pyramids and mummies and uh, pharaohs and all these things like artwork that I would create even from an extremely young age. And, it, and there was really nothing in this lifetime that, you know, was, was programming me or that I was exposed to regarding ancient Egypt. It's like it's something I came here with, which is I find very fascinating. And so I've always studied this. I've always read books on it. And I've been so fascinated with documentaries on the topic. And I've always wanted to go there. And in 2017, Nina and I actually had the opportunity to go visit there. And we toured throughout, you know, some of the very noteworthy cities there, everywhere from Cairo to see the pyramids and the Sphinx and that stuff. We went to Aswan. We went to Luxor. We went to the Temple of Karnak, like all these really beautiful, absolutely amazing architectural masterpieces um, throughout ancient history. And when you go there, I, I have read all these different things and conspiracy theories about how the pyramids were built and everything from... You know, there were it was extraterrestrials that built the pyramids, probably like you see on Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. From they had this incredible advanced understanding of how to manipulate sound to move like these giant blocks around, creating energetic vibrations. To just like the stuff that we're taught in our history books, which I don't agree with, but that slaves built all this. And when you go there and you begin to tour and see the magnitude of these statues in the stone. I mean, there's stones there that weigh 20 tons. Like, it's just crazy how big some of these things are. It was 2.5 or 3 million stones used to build the Great Pyramid alone. And you go and look at it, and you see 
the precision of these stones, not only are these stones just some of the biggest pieces of stone you've ever seen in your life, they are carved so precise that they fit together so tight that you couldn't even fit a piece of paper between them. And there's no grout used. There's no type of sealant that was used. They were literally stacked next to each other so perfect. And when you look at the magnitude of them, you just think, it's like immediately, nobody of any level of intelligence can look at these masterpieces and say that slaves built these the way that we're taught in our history books. There, it just doesn't even work the way that they're designed. Like, if you even look at the desert that surrounds, let's, let's use just the Great Pyramids as an example, the three pyramids in Egypt. Um, and this is in Cairo. Just the desert around there, it is like very rocky sand. Like to pull some of these stones through that sand would be next to impossible to get them to actually, you know, fall in like, first you got to cut them from somewhere. You got to cut these stones and get them with such perfect precision. Then you got to have people that are pulling them through this rocky, jagged ground that is made up of sand and all sorts of, uh, you know, types of rocks that are native to Cairo to get them to a point and that's just one stone and you got to do it with two and a half to three million stones like it just you just looking at it it doesn't make any logical sense right and when you begin to read and you know watch documentaries on people that have been studying ancient egypt their entire life and people that live there and are doing archaeology there i have yet to find anybody that's that's that seriously claims that slaves built the pyramids and have validated that and when we were there our tour guide had actually been studying ancient Egypt since he was like six years old and he was probably in his late forties. And he even went to Cairo, got a degree in Egyptology and he's been giving tours for years, but dedicated his whole life to studying Egypt. And he's like, I don't know. The first thing he said when I asked him, okay, for real, man, how are these built? He joked and he goes, it had to be somebody from outside this world because there's no way man at our level of intelligence today actually built these pyramids. And, uh, and then I go, okay, you know, what do you, how do you think it is? And he goes, I truly think that they just had a level of intelligence that was so far beyond what we have today that has either been lost or suppressed over time that they were, they figured out a way to leverage Earth's magnetic field and some of these very ancient principles of architecture, design, and uh, energetic manipulation to basically move these stones. And I think that's how they were put together. Um and so I've watched some interesting things on this topic around how this could potentially happen, right? One of the really fascinating ones is that you can create sound frequency waves in a like almost in like a vacuum of sorts that when this sound frequency is created, it actually almost cancels the mass around objects. And when that occurs, it allows you to basically take something that could weigh tons and tons and lift it up with like two human hands very easily and then like guide it and set it in place. And um, there's actually a lot of people that claim this is one of the potential ways that these structures were built. Um, you know, it's, it is very possible that it's, there's some way that we can't even conceive today that's been lost over time for how they were constructed. But I always find that so fascinating. And just in this thing we were talking about, or we were watching today, this Magic Egypt show, there is... Um, they were talking about how Egypt is very ancient and there was probably a lot of civilizations even before that. And they referenced Atlantis and saying that Atlantis was 100% a real place. And when you look at some of the ancient philosophers, uh, writings everywhere from like Plato to Pythagoras, all these people had actually referenced 
the ancient Atlanteans, and they were an extremely advanced civilization. And that some of these ancient Atlanteans, whenever their civilization crashed, they actually ended up relocating to Egypt and sharing some of this technology that they claimed like came from the stars. So potentially from some very advanced people outside this planet. But there's this guy, um, and this was probably in the early 1900s, I would say. And his name was Edward Lee Scalin. And if nobody has ever watched or read anything on this individual definitely go check him out but he created this thing that today is a tourist attraction that still exists in florida um, not that far outside of miami i haven't had a chance to go there yet but it's on my bucket list called the coral castle and the coral castle was something that this guy created as a sign of love for a woman that he fell in love with he was from latvia and the woman did not want to be with him, and so he ended up leaving and coming to the United States. But he built this massive castle made out of coral as this sign of love for her. And what's really fascinating about this story is this individual, Ed Lee Scalin, he probably was five feet tall, weighed about 98 pounds, okay? So he's a very, very small guy. And he bought a plot of land in Florida, and he started constructing this giant castle. It's not a castle in the sense of like, um, you know, like a castle that you would live in. It, it's just called the Coral Castle, but it has all these planets that are in it, like made out of coral. It has these huge structures. It has things that are like a giant door that weighs like five or ten tons, but it's so perfectly weighted that a five-year-old could push it open. And just some very remarkable signs of architecture and design and an understanding of physics and how different types of things work together that are very representative of how the ancient Egyptians built the pyramids. And I'll tell you a quick story about this construction of this. So this Ed Lee Scalin guy, he started constructing this on a piece of property in Florida that was relatively secluded. And he had all these stones, uh, these uh, uh, excuse me, all these pieces of coral stone that were coming delivered to him. And dropped off and he began constructing this well some of his nearby neighbors became very nosy and curious about what he was doing so they came and they tried to start looking at him at nighttime because he would always work in secrecy at night and when he recognized that there was people that was coming and they were trying to learn about what he was building he decided to go and purchase a different plot of land further away from that that was much more secluded where there was nobody around him and he wanted to move his operation there to finish the completion of it so what he did was he called in a trucking company and he wanted them to load all of this stone on the flatbed of the truck. And what his instructions were for them is he goes, I want you to uh, drive in here, drop the truck off with me overnight and then go home and then come back early the next morning. I'll have all the stones loaded on here and you'll be ready to relocate the stones. But he never let anybody see how he did it. And the truck driver showed up, and as the story goes, they looked around and they were like, "You're crazy! How, these these stones are massive. How how is your you know tiny self ever going to get these on this flatbed?" And he goes, "No, don't you worry about it. I'll be able to get it." So, this was in the evening, and it was already dark. And what happened is that these two gentlemen that dropped the flatbed truck off with the moving company. They got in the uh, their truck, the other guy had driven a truck, and they drove away. And they were like 45 minutes away, and that one guy realized he'd left his wallet in the truck. So he ended up turning around, and they went back to get the wallet. So basically a little under two hours later, they arrived back at the uh, 
the truck from the point that they left and all the coral was loaded on the truck already. Like there was no sign of any like big machines that came in to move it or anything. Like this individual had just figured out how to basically manipulate the, you know, gravity or mass around these objects and move them, but nobody saw him do it. And so they delivered the coral to the place the next day. They left. He continued building this entire coral castle in complete secrecy at nighttime. And when you look at the tools that he used, they were like incredibly primitive. I'm talking about like things that look like a hammer and it would be like a stick and a stone with a piece of rope wrapped around it. That would be the hammer. Um, But he did have this very interesting invention that he created that was like this large wound up, um, it almost looked like a very primitive exposed generator. And it had all these turn, uh, like things on it that would turn within each other. And they were constructed with just like very primitive stone and ropes and logs put together. But he would crank this thing up allegedly before he would do this. And what some people think is that this device, once it was like loaded and it was all cranked up and he let it go, would start vibrating a sound frequency that would allow these objects to lose their mass and you could move them around very easily. And that's never been proven, but it's incredibly fascinating. And this individual wrote some very interesting short books about his learnings about like the universe and life. Um, one I believe is called like Earth and Bone and something else, but it's, it's about these different things around how you can manipulate nature's principles and laws to create. And when he passed away, you know, he, he claims when he built this, like he actually expressed in his lifetime that he figured out how the Egyptians built the pyramids. And he would never tell anybody because he thought it was such a powerful thing that if it got into the hands of the wrong people, it could cause like the downfall of our civilization. And so he never actually released the information for how he built this massive coral castle, but it's a tourist attraction in Florida. You can go check it out. And when he passed away, he had this long math problem that was on a picture that hung above his deathbed. And it basically said, this is the secret to the universe. And it was like a long decimal number divided by another decimal number. But nobody ever, um, to my knowledge, ever figured out what it was. But uh, that's a really fascinating guy to look into that ha- aligns a lot with some of the things I've researched throughout the years in terms of how the ancient Egyptians may have had very advanced understandings of leveraging sound or leveraging different energetic principles to move things and cancel mass, similar to how he did with this coral castle. Gosh, you can talk. <laughs> um, sorry, I was just coordinating dinner stuff with your family as you were talking oh good and thanks like coordinating things with like the united nations that's right um okay so what's the next one i was thinking of i was just thinking of something while i was texting oh man i'm like blanking on it give me one let's talk about another one let's do one more and then let's wrap it up okay um I'm trying to think of some other big we, we talked about the jfk conspiracy theories on past yeah, episodes episode, so we don't have to get then. into that yeah. that was pretty interesting um, what are some of the other big ones that are oh do you think that do you think that when like human when humans like came here right do you believe in the whole dinosaur ice age situation no no no, no. let's back it up I don't know if you mentioned this actually and you may have and I wasn't paying attention did you Recently, you told me about how Atlantis and Florida and everything in the world was connected on our Earth. 
Yeah, there used to be a, a according to Let's history. Let's talk about that because here's I'm going to pose the issue here. So I never really quite understood how in religious texts, um, whether it be in India, in Egypt, in um, here in America, any anywhere in the world, really, I never understood how people from all these different geographical locations and cultures were actually all doing things that the others were doing. You know, if the Egyptians were very advanced, well, so were the Atlanteans. You know, there was people here doing things. There's people in ancient India also building even more massive, more intricate, completely unsolvable buildings to this day. And so how was it that people were communicating back in the day with no cell phones? How are people flying to each other without any airplanes? And you said something to me in passing that there is some sort of, what would you call that, theory? Some so sort of theory. according to history books and some of them and some theories is that like, Approximately, I would say it's probably 330 or 340 million years ago, we had a supercontinent that existed on the planet of Earth, and it was called Pangaea. And it was basically a combination of every single continent that currently exists, but they were all combined as one giant landmass. And as history says, that it began to break apart probably like 150, 175 million years ago. Um, through different types of natural disasters and you know evolution of our planet, that these the supercontinent then split into what is now India and you know South America, North America, all these other places that now exist. That that used to all be one giant landmass, right? And now in today's day and age, it's it's all split up. Yeah, I believe that it makes a lot. It makes sense. I don't necessarily believe the whole human man cave and the dinosaurs and like all of that. I basically don't believe in I like... I don't understand what you mean as far as the dinosaurs. I don't believe in scientific human evolution. I don't believe Oh, that we evolved from like an amoeba yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we evolved from Adam and they got smaller and smarter? gets me amoeba. <laughs> this is actually a theory. I think it's like... I don't know if anybody's ever seen the movie Prometheus. Um, but Prometheus basically goes under the topic of that we were actually placed on earth as a very advanced by a very advanced civilization that had an understanding of how to like you know manipulate genetics and like put us put a civilization of people and grow them um i think that's a very interesting thing to think about you know like i I don't i don't really buy into the concept either like you mentioned that we grew and evolved over time from a non-intelligent cell-based thing into a very intelligent cell-based thing i don't think that makes a lot of sense in my opinion i think it's something and my gosh, I don't care if people knock me for this, but I think it was something fed to us by our educational system here because other cultures don't teach you that. There are what do col- they t- give us an ancient, example. Of- I don't know. Ancient India and ancient places don't teach. They actually give you more credit. They give humans a little bit more oomph in the sense of like, you didn't just come from the you know sky. You didn't just come from like a little petri dish or like an amoeba. And the dinosaurs did not. You know what I mean? Like they just they don't really give that kind of information any clout and so you have to study different um civilizations and ancient texts to see like do i think some of it's been manipulated to be entertaining so to speak yes i do i think when the egyptians are writing their stories on the wall they had to get creative with it but i just don't believe that whole like very scientific way of coming about i just don't what could i someone could be like, what do you think i i think that we were on a different planet or we were completely living on a different um, vibration, a completely different frequency somewhere else other than Earth. 
And I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't know when somebody trickled over, you know, and came over to this other side. And that's where we've sprung from. Um, so that's my theory on that. I don't think we came from an amoeba. <laughs> um, another, this this could be our last conspiracy theory, so let's make it a good one. Okay. Do you have any? Oh, another theory? Um, I mean, there's so many out there. I'm just trying to narrow down and identify one. Um, No, I can't think of one. <laughs> you just shook your head at me. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm just, we've talked about we've talked we talked pretty in depth about some of these things that are fascinating. You know, I think one thing that I think about often is that we have, and this is I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory per se, but I guess it could be, is that I think that there's so much knowledge that occurred in ancient times that has either been lost or purposefully suppressed. And the reason I think it's potentially purposely suppressed is because it's knowledge of self that could create a completely different humanity that is not so controlled sheep like sheep like people by people that are in higher levels of power and that are that are have a self interest in controlling the mass of people on the planet. And the more I teach myself and learn through books I consume and documentaries and different things, and I always try to read a lot of points of view on different things as well so that I'm having a very objective analysis of like these because there's a lot of stuff I've read throughout the years as I was growing older like we were talking about the books I've read on UFOs and aliens and extraterrestrials and you know then I've read 20 other books on the topic and it's completely changed my point of view about things that I thought at one time right so I'm constantly evolving and trying to you know create the most objective view based on the data points that I have but I think that there's a lot of knowledge that is being purposefully suppressed. And there's also a lot of knowledge that's been probably flat out lost throughout the ages that if we were able to leverage it today, I think our world would look very, very different in a positive fashion than what it looks right now. Yeah, agreed. Let's share some documentaries of books that people can dive into to uh, explore more quote-unquote conspiracy theories. Sure. So some really interesting books. This was a huge, hugely popular book when it first came out. It's been also very controversial. It's by Eric Vendineken, and it is a Chariot of the Gods. That's a really interesting one. Um, I just mentioned the documentaries earlier, Dr. Stephen Gruyer's Sirius, S-I-R-I-U-S. I watched that one first. If you're really, that's more on the extraterrestrial side of things and just the complete secrecy about how this technology has been hidden and the repercussions of that and how it could impact our world. He also had a follow-up movie to that called Unacknowledged that's really fascinating. Um, those are you know, three really interesting ones in regards to that. Uh, this one that we just started today is pretty fascinating so far, how they're kind of leveraging ancient Egyptian structures and then cross-referencing them to like things inside the human body and Fibonacci series and sequences. That's called magical Egypt. That's a really interesting one. Um, what are some of the other topics we talked about that we could. What about the one with, Oh, I just saw that little left hook. You tried to, you know, um, I don't know. Those are probably good. Get started what with those. What was Third Eye Spies? Oh, yes. We didn't even talk about that. No, we didn't. Okay. Third Eye Spies is a really fascinating... we had brain farts th- this evening. We, uh, uh, Third Eye Spies is a really fascinating documentary, and I think it's on Netflix now, but it got banned from TV for a very long time. And what Third Eye Spies was about was about secret government programs 
to have people do what's called remote viewing. Um, it's We actually learned about it in the U.S. from Russia. Russian spies were doing it initially, and then they invested millions of dollars in it in the U.S., and I'm sure it's being used all over the world. But what remote viewing is, is when you place an individual that has taught themselves the capacity to do remote viewing and you they put themselves in a meditative state and they're able to actually visualize things that are in existence at different parts of the world that they've never even been in so for example how they were using it in this movie and in the military is the u.s government would have these advanced you know psychics is what they were basically and that have taught themselves how to do it but they learned that anybody could actually teach themselves how to do this and they would put them in a room and they'd say okay we're at war with this country tap into these gps coordinates and through meditation and visualize and tell me what's there and these people would literally draw out pictures they would be like okay there's a plane runway right here there's two bunkers over here there's a water plant right here and they would draw these pictures and then the people would go there and they were like remarkably accurate like there was it was just crazy how accurate these people were never being in this environment and being able to so clearly draw and describe what it was based off things as simple as like GPS coordinates um, on a map. And through that process, I think what they learned is that there is this entire oneness of human consciousness that exists. If you're able to tap into this infinite knowledge as, a, as your brain is a receiver of this consciousness to be able to like mentally project yourself to a different point in the universe and then be able to extract through visualization and through illustration what these different things are. It's a really interesting documentary. It's called Third Eye Spies. Okay, I just found a quote. And make of it whatever you wish. I'm not going to elaborate, but maybe you're going to want to elaborate. There's a big overlap between conspiracy theorists, racists, gun nuts, doomsday preppers, fans of the rapture, and poor white Republicans. They all have one thing in common. They feel like the oppressed underdogs. Yeah, I think that that's very interesting. So I think that the... The more and more I've studied conspiracy theories throughout the years, it definitely puts you in a position where the majority of people look at you like they kind of write you off. They dismiss some of these theories as crazy. And I think that that's a very dangerous thing to do because... Why do you think that they they look at us that way? I feel that, that, not necessarily me, but I feel like conspiracy theorists in general look that way because majority of people have been programmed to believe that you should be very dismissive of these conspiracy theories because they're kooky or they're out there. Being a free thinker and having the right to have your own imagination and think thoughts on your on your own terms and see things differently is not rewarded in our society. Yeah. And but what I've learned throughout the years is I actually think this is going to be a kind of a far out statement, but what I think is we're living on a day-to-day basis in the actual conspiracy theory. And the things is that Is this leading into another one? <laughs> no, no. Like I think that like what we live in If you really analyze the definition of a conspiracy theory, what we're being fed through the media, through food, all these things, I think that we're actually inside of the what could be considered a real conspiracy theory. And a lot of these things that seem far out are are actually truth. What if we live in a dome? I don't know about that. And outside of us, there's other people and other civilizations looking on us because we're just one big experiment. Never know. Listen, it could be possible. Dome theory. You just created a new one. Dome theory. That's right. But um, um, guys, we hope you enjoyed this. Um, this was fun for us, it was especially fun. for me. It was lighthearted. <laughs> it was good. And um, 
Next week is going to be Thanksgiving and we'll have another episode for you Tuesday. And it's going to be around holidays, negativity, and people who label themselves as realists. I'm calling it now because we're going to stick to that. There's all, there's, a, there's another title for a realist. It's called a pessimist. It's true. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank all you right. so much. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks for listening to Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Now, here are your hosts, Nina and Brian Dixon.